You're listening to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast, where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best-selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. We are officially into my favorite part of the story. In today's episode, I'm going to introduce you to the impulse buy of a lifetime and how we went against our friend's advice to run the other direction as fast as you can and ended up with the saddest little tumble-down farmstead that you ever did see. So there we were in our single-wide trailer. And the cool thing about that trailer, like I mentioned in the last episode, is that the rent was dirt cheap because it was a trailer and it was in this little town that no one wanted to live in. So it was perfect. And paying that cheap rent allowed us to put a big chunk of our incomes into savings. So we had squirreled away enough for a down payment on our first house. And so Christian and I knew, I think we'd been in the trailer for close to two years after we got married And we had our little dogs and our little garden and our goose. We had a goose. And um, (laughs) we were starting to feel this urge to start looking for our first home. And what kind of started that? I remember we had some friends that were going to our church at the time. And we went to have supper at their house. And they had purchased this, this old farm. And it had old barns and silos. And it was this teeny little house that um, they were fixing up and it was so cozy and so sweet and so special. And they walked us around and showed us their projects and their dreams. And we're going to do this here and we're going to build that here. And here's my garden. And I was just so enthralled with this idea. And I think, you know, they didn't call it homesteading. They didn't, I don't even think they knew what homesteading was, but just this lifestyle they were living which was so simple and so sweet. I just was like, I, I want this so badly. And so looking back now, I can see these little seeds of the homesteading life that were in me and were germinating, but I still didn't know what to call them. Um, but anyway, so we had been hanging out with them a little bit and lo and behold, you know, we had been looking for houses, but I was having a hard time finding houses for sale that were a good fit and I I was young, right? So I didn't know there was something called the multiple listing service, the MLS. So somebody was like, Jill, why don't you look at the MLS? And I'm like, what's that? And they're like, well, it's where all the houses are instead of trying to go to all the different realtor websites. And so that was like, ding, ding, ding. So literally like an hour after this person told me that, I ran into my computer and pulled up MLS and figured out how to set the, the, the search settings and there it was. I found this little house for sale. It had been on the, the market for like two days. It was near the little community where we were renting, which Christian and I had decided that uh, we wanted to stay near this community if we could. We didn't really know why, but just felt like a good idea. And this house for sale was near this little community. Uh, I think it's it was probably like eh, 15 miles away um, from where we live now. Anyway, 
So it was Memorial Day weekend. We found a realtor who wasn't at the lake and she agreed to take us to go see this house. And the pictures were eh, not, not super awesome. You know, it was this little yellow farmhouse. I remember seeing some dead trees in the picture. But the thing I was most excited about is it had 67 acres and it had outbuildings. And the, the house was old. And I loved the idea of an old house. So we went to see it. I don't remember a whole lot about walking through the house. I remember literally like walking in and going, is this the kitchen? Is this the dining room? Cool. Let's go back outside. Cause there just wasn't much to see inside. It's about 900 square feet. Um, and the realtor had told us that the house had been in really bad shape. So the current owner had had to completely gut it. And you could tell there was new carpet and new cabinets and new sheetrock. And none of it was super charming. It was pretty builder grade, but at least it was new and it wasn't gross, right? So the outside had cinder block barns and buildings. And um, it was actually a pheasant farm. So the owner had purchased this old this old place. And he decided he was going to start a pheasant business with his friends. So they built all of these pens out of logs and chicken wire. And all the way wrapped around this barn were dozens of these pens. And there were still a couple pheasants running around. And I was like, well, it's kind of weird, but you know, we'd probably take those down. So anyway, we went and looked, had no fences, there's trash everywhere. And we naturally, like any rational person would do, were convinced this was the house for us. So we decided to put in an offer and it was ours. They accepted the offer and boom, there we were. And I remember so clearly as we were, you know, working through the closing process that takes some time. So there was a few times we would go walk around or look around while we were waiting to close. Every time I set foot on that property, it was like I had lightning bolts just coursing through me. I was so inspired, like just almost supernaturally. I could just feel it. And it's, it's funny, you know, obviously that's, that was our homestead. That's the house that we have now looking back, um, knowing what it would become that all makes sense. And all seems like a sweet part of the story, but back then it wasn't so clear, but I'm so glad we followed our gut because it, at first glance, it seemed illogical. Like we had friends tell us not to buy it. It was, it was a disaster and it was far from our jobs. It was about 40 miles from Christian's job and about 35 miles from mine. So we both would have to drive and they said the snow was bad and it didn't have great fence. And we had a lot of cleanup to do and the roof on the garage needed to be addressed. Like there was a lot of stuff going against it, but you know, it's still, we still knew in our gut that it was the place for us. And I've talked about on previous episodes, listening to your body, listening to your gut in your decision-making. And sometimes I, I think that might be a little woo-woo for some people, but it just, it, it works, my friend. And, you know, you can feel it when you know you're supposed to do something, you feel it in your gut. And that's what I felt. So it was, I, I just remember feeling lit up by electricity as we were waiting to move in. I could not wait. And almost simultaneously, I was struck with this idea, like, how can I make this piece of land? Because I knew it was going to be a stretch for our finances. You know, we 
We borrowed way below what we were approved for. Thankfully, it was not expensive because it was in such rough shape. Um, but we still had a mortgage. And that, for the first time in my life, I had a mortgage. And so I'm like, ooh, we're going to have to be strategic with our finances. And we're going to have to um, be really extra frugal. How can we make this property we bought pay for itself? Not that I expected it to cover 100% of the mortgage every month, but I'm like, how can I make it worthwhile? So that's when I started to get this idea, well, you know, what if we could compost? Or what if I could grow things? Or what if we could rent out the backyard? I don't know. I was starting to have those wheels turning. So that I say that is really the birth of our homestead lifestyle was in those moments, even though I still didn't know it was called homesteading. But anyway, we moved in. The first thing we had to do was build the fence around the perimeter because we had horses, a couple horses, and they had nowhere to live without running away. So we had to build a fence for them. And then I think the next thing we did was the shop roof. There had been a fire in the top of that shop many years ago. So we had to fix things and the soffit and fascia were rotting. Rotting was definitely a theme of this property. There's a lot of rotting everything. (laughs) So we fixed that. And then I think we went to work on taking down the pheasant pins, which ended up being a multi-year project. And I cannot tell you how many weekends Christian and I spent. We didn't have kids yet, right? So we would um, have weekends off from our jobs and we would grab a bucket and grab a pair of pliers and spend eight to 10 hours a day out there on Saturday and Sunday picking staples out of logs. Because if you can envision this, just picture this, you know, what a piece of chicken wire looks like. All those little hexagons, they're hexagons, right? Not octagons. I'm trying to think. I think they're hexagons. All those little hexagons. The man, bless his heart, who built these pheasant pins was very conscientious of them not falling apart. So he put a staple, a one inch staple in every single hexagon of this chicken wire all the way across rows and rows of pins. And Christian and I were so frugal that we wanted to save the logs to build corrals, right? We didn't have a lot of money. We had to use what we had. So we were so excited to have access to all these logs. So we had to save them and we pulled all of the staples out one by one. So that was our weekends for a couple years, <laughs> among other projects. Um, so at that point in time, Christian was still working as an electrician, and I was still working as a vet tech. And you know, we'd work all week, and then just use those extra bits of time here and there to work on our homestead. So a lot of times, people ask me, you know, I work full time out of the house. Can I still? build a homestead or start a homestead. And absolutely you can. I mean, that's what we did when we first started. It's not necessarily easy all the time, right? You're balancing a full-time job with all the projects you want to do, but it totally can be done as long as you're willing to make those sacrifices. So in addition to being super frugal with our logs and our chicken wire, to this day, when I see a roll of chicken wire, I, I get like, well, nauseous. <laughs> bad memories. Well, not bad memories, monotonous memories tied to chicken wire. Anyway, um, so we were being frugal with our logs and our chicken wire, but we were still tight on the budget, right? Because we were paying for a mortgage now and we had horses and hay to buy. So, and we also had this giant list of projects to do. 
the, the buildings needed to be fixed and painted and the fences. And so we made a list of all the projects and then we would budget it out. Right. And some months it was buying a pallet of fence posts and that's all we could do. And we'd fence what we could and buy the wire that we could. And you've heard me talk about this part of the story before where this is when we skimped a lot, right? We're like, well, we need a fence post. So we're going to buy the cheapest fence post possible, or we need barbed wire. So let's buy the cheapest barbed wire possible just to get this project done. And then oftentimes we had to redo those projects because the barbed wire would snap and the fence posts would warp or break because they weren't great materials. So that was <clears throat> the period where we learned a lot of hard lessons about investing in better materials. But, you know, we did what we could with what we had. And I really, I think there's no shame in at least we were moving forward. You know what I mean? Like at least we were trying, we were doing something and it wasn't perfect, but I'm a huge fan of imperfect action. And the other thing we did here when we were just scrounging to start building out our homestead is we took on as many extra little jobs as possible. Um, one of the most notable ones is that we started casting lead bullets. And this was literally to fund our homestead project account. So on the days where we couldn't pull staples out of the chicken wire because it was too cold and windy, we would go to our little garage that we had set up some equipment in. And Christian would cast these lead bullets and I would sit on a five-gallon bucket and sort them because you'd get imperfections and you had to make sure that they were all good um, so they were safe to use in the bullet-making process. And it wasn't like the whole bullet. It was just the tip, if you can picture that. So hours and hours and weekend after weekend, we would make these little bullets and we'd put them in boxes and then a friend had a business where he would sell them. And it was monotonous and I didn't love it. And we didn't have a whole lot of a social life because we were sorting bullets and pulling staples, but that's what we were committed to at the time to get us toward our goals. And so I definitely wouldn't want to do it again, but I'm, I'm proud of that period of our life for sure. So I think the theme of this episode and the takeaway is, and I hope it hasn't sounded like, I mean, like we had to walk uphill both ways to school. That's not what this was supposed to sound like. I'm sorry if it did. Um, but my question for you is, and my takeaway for you is, if you're wanting a homestead, if you're wanting whatever it may be in your life, how bad do you want it? And I, that's a question I've asked myself over and over again when I'm tempted to give up or I'm tempted to take the easy route or not to do the thing that I need to do to get me closer to where I want to be. I ask myself, Jill, how bad do you want it? And if you want it bad enough, you're going to be willing to make some sacrifices and get uncomfortable to get closer to that thing. So as a lot of you know, we're in a different place financially now. We have a little more room in our budget to do the projects that we do and to build a greenhouse or to build a milking parlor or whatever it may be, but that wasn't always the case for us. And I just want to give encouragement to those of you who are currently in that spot that we were all those years ago. Don't give up and just put your blinders on and don't worry about what people might be saying or, you know, what they're saying behind your back. And just keep on trucking with what you know you need to be doing because it will pay off as long as you stick with it. And there's a lot of pieces of our journey that weren't glamorous and weren't super exciting, but I'm sure glad we stuck with it and we went through them. So that's my encouragement for you today. 
And in our next episode in this series, we are going to be talking about babies. The babies start coming and that shakes everything up as you can imagine. So we'll dive into that in our next episode. Thank you for listening. If you would like to stay connected with me via email, I know a lot of folks are leaving social media these days or spending less time on social media. You can join me on email. I send out an email every Wednesday with tips and tricks and my latest free homestead content over at theprairiehomestead.com forward slash grow, G-R-O-W. I'll put that link in the show notes as well. You'll get access to all my free library of resources. And then of course, you'll get my email every Wednesday. I don't spam you. It's really easy. So it's not going to flood your inbox with stuff. And that is all I have for you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will chat again on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.